Hi everyone, welcome to the Poem Hour podcast. Great to be with you all again. Um, my guest this week is um, a good friend of mine. He's a writer. Uh, I've known him for quite a while. Um, his name is Sean Smucker. So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, yeah, so just tell us, like, before we go into kind of more about your story, just tell us a bit about kind of what you do and where you live, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So yourself. I live in uh, a small city, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's probably about 70,000 people that live here, so it's a nice small size. Um, my wife and I have six children, three boys and three girls. The oldest is 15 and the youngest is about one, uh, almost two. And uh, yeah, I, I'm make a living as a writer. I co-write and ghostwrite books. I collaborate on projects. Um, that's how I pay the bills. And then my real love is writing fiction. So that's what I do when I can. Awesome. And you've written some great books. Um, thank you. I, I couldn't, I couldn't name them all. There's a lot of them. Um, but, um, yeah, you're, Sean is a great writer. Um, and he knows a lot about writing as well. Um, so, and we're going to find out about all that today. So, um, so just tell us a bit of your story, kind of how your writing journey kind of began. Yeah, sure. So, um, I started writing on a daily basis, I would say when I was in college, which was about 20 years ago, mostly at that point I was journaling, writing a few short stories and things like that. But it wasn't until I was about 30 that I was hired to write, um, to co-write a book, which was kind of my entry into the, into the published world, the co-writing world. And once that book came out, then I started to get more projects along those lines. Um, so I co-wrote for, yeah, like I said, about eight or nine years now. And then two or three years ago, I self-published a novel, a YA novel called The Day the Angels Fell. Mm. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was really, a, it really came out of a, an experience I had in my other writing life, my co-writing life, uh, where I was hired to write a book for a man who lived in Istanbul who was dying of cancer. Mm. And uh, when I came home, I was so impacted by this project and in the meantime, I had been talking about writing a book for my kids um, or for kids in general and decided to write a book really focused on death and questions surrounding death. So the main question mm. with The Day the Angels Fell is, could it be possible that death is a gift? You know, this big question that I was really wrestling with at the time. Um, so that's kind of that was kind of my entry point into fiction was, was self-publishing that. And then... It was picked up a few years later by a publisher, by uh, Ravel, Severe mm-hmm. Baker. And uh, when they picked it up, I signed a three-book fiction deal with them to do that book, the sequel, which is The Edge of Over There, which just came out this summer, and then a third novel, which will come out next summer. But it's not related to the first two. It'll be a standalone. Wow. it's exciting. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it's it's... It was super hard to believe when it happened because I had, you know, I've been writing for such a long time and I just, I, I think I had kind of gotten to that place where I figured, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to totally rely on self-publication. You know, I tried for so long to get an agent and to get published and it just wasn't happening. And so I, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to move ahead. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to keep writing books. I'm going to self-publish them and 
see how it goes. And um, it was a it was a real shock. <laughs> it was a real surprise. Um, and I I've got a I feel like we have a really good relationship. Uh, the publisher and my editor there, Kelsey. Hmm. And so in the meantime, we, we also decided to do a book about, uh, the Syrian refugees. Um, hmm. I have a, a, a good friend here in Lancaster who's a Syrian refugee. And so he and I did a book together that's coming out in October called once we were strangers. Hmm. Um, and yeah. that was also with Ravel. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a really fun, exciting journey that I had kind of, I guess I had kind of given up on it, uh, at one point. Yeah. Yeah, it's into, I've I've been, I mean, I, I I've written I've written a book. I had my first book come out last year. I mm-hmm. had a few e-books come out before that. Done a lot of blogging, writing for compilation books. But I think I, if I'm really honest, I think I'm at that point right now where I kind of just accept it. <laughs> you know, I'm probably gonna have to self-publish my books. I'll just write books got books to write got ideas for books to write i'll just write them self-publish them and it'll be my thing i do my vocation but something i do with not not my job you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and And but you know what i i think i think that's a really good place to be i mean i feel like you have to you have to get to that place where you where you decide you know what this is what i love to do no matter what like no matter if I get a publisher, no matter how many readers I have, because getting a publisher now, like for me, it hasn't been the magic pill, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. now, now I worry about how many books am I selling? How many copies am I selling? And, and I've, and I've kind of realized that at some point you just have to settle into what you love to do and just do it and, and almost do it without any regard for what the results are. Um, Mm. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I think I, it's not an easy place to be in. I know it's not, and I don't want to sugarcoat it because I, I know a lot of published authors kind of do that. Um, so I, I know it's not easy, but I would, I would encourage you just keep going. And it sounds like you're doing that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that a lot of writers listen to this podcast as well, you know, and, and I, I know I bump into a lot of writers because I, I edit a magazine for um, Christian writers. So, and the organisation that publishes it has events which I go to. So I meet a lot of writers, and I know that a lot of writers have that kind of have to face that. Some of them are a lot earlier than other people as well. Like they have to face it. Like, okay, maybe I'm not going to get a pub. I'm not going to get a publishing contract. I'm not going to be a New York Times bestselling author. You know, I'm not going to have a massive platform or whatever. And then you can just let that die. And there is actually something quite cathartic about that Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and that's you know it's funny you would use the word die because i feel like that was really the seed for the book and the question in the book could it be possible that death is a gift and i you know i i kind of hesitated to ask that question because i know how personally we take that idea especially when we've had loved ones who have died recently or people that we care about it's mm -hmm. hard to imagine that Mm -hmm. being a gift and so i think I don't even want people to start with physical death as being that, you know, when we say, could it be possible that death is gift? I don't even want people to start with the idea that physical death is gift. Like, let's just start with small deaths. (laughs) Let's start with like what you said, like, let's start with the death of a dream. Let's start with the death of a friendship. Let's start with the death of, 
um, you know, a career and say, could it be possible that these kinds of deaths are a gift? And I think that, you know, just as you said it, that's how it was for me. It was, it, it's been a gift because I reached that point a couple of years ago when I thought I would never have a publisher and I thought, okay, well, if that's the case, what do I want to do? And so I decided at that point, my goal now is to write 10 novels in 10 years. I just want to get as good as I can at writing fiction. And so for me, that just meant I, I just want to, I just want to keep doing it and doing it and doing it until I get better. Um, and so for me in that way, death became a gift because I thought if I'm not going to have that dream, then I'm just going to get better. And it allowed me to kind of get past that. I know so many, so many friends who are writers who they've written that one book, you know, and they're just sitting on it and they're waiting for an agent. They're waiting for a publishing house to take it. And it's, it's kind of paralyzed them as far as being able to move forward with their writing because they, they just can't imagine, um, a different, you know, a different path. And so I think, mm. yeah, you're right. It does have to die. And that's, I think it's a good thing. It is. Yeah. I mean, I was in that place. I, the book I had that came out last year, Mazeko Grace, that I wrote, I first wrote the, I wrote the first draft of that in 2013. Mm. And I held on to it for about three years yeah. before somebody picked, somebody offered to help me publish it. And um, the problem was that in that in those three years, I didn't write another book. Yes. <laughs> and um, so you kind of get a bit crippled, you know. It's mm-hmm. now yeah. I have all these ideas, and I'm still trying to figure out where to begin because beginning is the hardest bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you've actually written a few chapters, yeah. you're, you're you're doing okay. I mean, I actually did write two or three chapters of of another book, but I kind of stopped because. That book kind of didn't didn't go the way I I wanted it to, or something wasn't yeah. right. I just kind of like I just need to stop and mm. pause, and I'll keep I, I've kept the material. I might use it somewhere else. Um, so I did start writing another book, but I I couldn't quite finish it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just, no, I I, I think for, for me, it, I I can't speak for all writers, obviously, but for me forward motion has always been positive. So, you know, as long as I'm writing words, as long as I'm working on a project, it might not be a project that ever sees the light of day. It might not be a project that I end up liking, but for me, it's, it's just keep moving forward, you know? And if that means I had to independently publish the day the angels fell in order to, you know, put that to bed and move forward, then that's, that's what I did. And I think that that, for me, it's been really important. Mm. That's a really good book. Um, I really, really recommend that. Yeah, I, I helped launch that book. I think um, it was definitely mm-hmm. worth it. Recommend it. Yeah. Go and buy it. Um, and I, one of the things that I noticed that you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that you talk about a lot on social media because you're on Twitter a lot. You talk about the whole kind of idea of which is starting to kind of become fashionable in recent years of platform building and wanting to you know get a lot of followers and build a following and get loads of subscribers and all of these things and I always find when I read what you say it gives me a healthy perspective I mean, how is that I mean obviously every writer kind of if you've got a website and a blog and you're writing material and putting it out there 
there's always that temptation of the ego to to want to grow to want to grow a following to want more people to like your work so how i mean how do you how do you manage that in your own life or in your and in your writing well i don't feel like i always manage it very well i feel i think um i realized at some point that i was aiming for something that i didn't necessarily even want um i got caught up in the idea that building a platform would get me a book deal and at the end of the day i started to realize i don't you know what what do i actually want and what i actually wanted was to write fiction and when i started to focus on writing fiction you know i kept blogging i stayed online and all that mostly because i enjoyed it and i had you know made made friends through that through that but when i started writing fiction which is what i really wanted to do that's when i felt like i started to make progress and so i think i think it's really important that writers i mean platform has its place but i think a lot of times we lose sight of what we really love to do because we let platform take over we let that become the end all and be all and we see other people who built huge platforms and have books that we wish we would have written or could have written or getting book deals that we wish we would have gotten and so we think oh well that must be where it's at it must be at the end of a big platform uh but for me it wasn't even there you know like i chased the platform for years and then i realized i don't even for fiction i even have to have a platform like i just had to get better at writing fiction uh so again it's so it's different for different writers but i think you know just just to be careful that the stuff you're spending your time doing is the stuff you want to get good at you know do do you really want to get good at at writing essays if you do then yeah blog you know practice submit to magazines um but if you want to write poetry you know well then actually write poetry <laughs> don't spend all your time trying to build a platform and i think i guess what i'm trying to say is i think too many writers have become professional platform builders as opposed to like mm. writing the stuff that they love to write i completely 100 percent agree and i've noticed it with a lot of writers who started out as good writers with something to say who wanted to write and they just became platform builders that's all they talk about and that's all they that's all they are now they're not mm -hmm. really they don't feel like writers to me anymore. They just feel like marketers who write, you know, and, and I don't know if that was deliberate on their part. It probably wasn't. But it just it feels a bit sad, you know. That, um, and actually, I kind of look at it and think, well, that could have been me. I could have, I could easily have got sucked into that. And I, didn't, I don't want to get sucked into that, you know. So I think you're right. You know, we have to kind of, yeah, it's it's nice to have lots of people reading your work, but just try and get good at what you what you want to be good at, you know. Yeah, and it, it's difficult because the pressure is there, and the reality is that you you know, it, it, publishers these days have a particular expectation, or many do, you know, the larger ones do have a particular expectation about what you need to bring to the table. So, so the reality is that there is a pressure that's there, and 
platform can be a wonderful tool, mm. um, you know, and that, because that's how I, that's how I independently published the day the angels fell. I, you know, I rose, I, I was able to raise five or $6,000, uh, from readers through a Kickstarter campaign to pay for all of my editing and cover design, all the expenses up front. And that was because I had a, you know, a very moderate platform. So, um, it can be a tool and, and, and there is sort of an expectation out there from certain publishing houses, but I, I just think we have to be careful about letting that become the main thing. You know, the writing for me, it always comes back to the writing. And when it does, when I let it come back to the writing, then I feel happy and I feel fulfilled and I enjoy my life. You know, when I'm not obsessing over Amazon numbers or, you know, my latest royalty statement or how many people have mentioned my latest book on social media. I mean, those things feel great when they're going well, but man, boy, when they, they're not going well, then if that's what you've, that's what you're living by, um, it can get kind of rough. So just for me, it always comes back to the writing. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I guess that helps you stay authentic as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely possible to stay authentic through platform building, but it just takes such an effort. And it's, I, I think you have to have people around you who are willing to speak into your life and say, uh, Whoa, what was that all about? <laughs> you know, or yeah. you're really obsessing over this thing on Twitter for the last month. Like, you know, move on, stop focusing on yourself so much. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 a balancing act, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I actually wrote a book about that called Dance of the Writer, which was about this dance that we do, mm. with just re- remaining true to our voice and being authentic and truth-telling, um, but also recognising that we have to promote our work, we have to talk about our work on online and Facebook and you know things like that and tell people about it um, if you want people to read it that is um, yeah right right and just yeah. to have that try and find that balance without losing losing your integrity um, without losing your soul you know and um, that, that book got a lot of that's my best selling book actually that one um, and I wrote that I actually wrote that out of a place of, of a place a place of like losing basically losing my voice and just stopping publishing anything. And I just wrote every day on my phone, whatever free writing every day, and this stuff just started coming out from somewhere. And then I put it into this book, and it became this book. So that, I mean that's kind of an example. That's the story I always use with people. When it's like, oh, I can't find my voice and I want to be authentic. And, you know, that's why I said people just stop, just do some free writing every day and just see what comes out and yeah. turn that into something because yeah. that's probably what's really going on inside of you. And that's what will connect with people anyway. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I like what you, I like the word balance. That's a, I think that's a real key for us these days as writers is to try and, to try and find that balance. Yes, it is. Um, so, one of the quest- one of the things that 
I've been challenged with as a writer is when you, when I've had a failure, when I've had when things have gone badly, you know, and you want to give up. You kind of think, well, nobody wants to read this. Nobody cares about this. Nobody, you know, I this doesn't. I put all this effort in, and you know, while I'm not looking for applause from the whole world, you know, some recognition would be nice. You know, that's a natural human response when you when you when you create something and you share it with people. Kind of, um, even if you're not egotistical, even if you're not a narcissist, even if you're not obsessed with numbers. You still kind of want to know what people think. And, you know, I talked about this yeah. earlier, how I had this book out last year and, you know, it didn't do as well as I wanted it to. Um, didn't do badly, it just didn't do as well as I thought it was going to do. And that that had a big impact on me because I was, I've not really been able to start writing a book since because, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it was for other reasons like we talked about earlier, but... So, I mean, how have you got... What failures have you had? And how have you got over those and kind of managed to keep going and get writing again when things yeah. have really just kind of got on top of you? Yeah. most I would say most authors that I know um, are, are, are always struggling with this because, you know, even if you have a publisher, you're getting a royalty statement probably twice a year. And that royalty statement is reminding you either you didn't hit your advance or, you know, you get a check for 50 bucks or, you know, you're not J.K. Rowling. Oprah didn't call to put you on her reading club. There, there's, there can be sort of this sense of I'm not hitting the goals that I want to hit or I'm not doing as well as I want to do. Or, wow, what happened with that book? Like, why is it not selling? I think for me what's been nice is that the way the the publishing cycle works is that it takes so long to get a book out after I've finished the writing that I've already started my next book. So, you know, the day that, or the edge of over there just came out July 3rd and I was actually handing in my next novel that month. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm already knee deep in a new project. I'm already, you know, trying to work through the new challenges of this new book in a way that helps a book release not feel like this is it, (laughs) you know, like this is going to be make or break. Um, so for me in that way, I think getting through the disappointments is often remedied by just continuing on the next project or starting the next project. Um, Mm -hmm. but there have, there have been times where I've also just stepped back, you know, for a month I'll say, you know what, I'm not going to write anything for myself for this month. I'm going to kind of sit in whatever this current disappointment is or whatever failure I've just hit. And I'm just going to sit in it and I'm, I'm not going to force myself through it. Um, I grew up in this uh, very Anabaptist area, so lots of Amish and Mennonite, mm. uh, very hardworking people. And I think a lot of times I grew up being taught that work is really the cure for everything. And so Mm. I have to be careful that I don't stuff down, you know, the the things that I'm actually feeling my emotions, um, by just continuing to work harder and write more. So, so for me, sometimes it can be good just to take a break. You know, I haven't written a whole lot of new things for myself, 
um, since The Edge of Over There came out. I wrote a couple of chapters of a novel that I might do, and I read it to my to my wife, and she loved it. So that felt good just to kind of be creating. But besides that, I haven't really done much. And so I think it's good to have these fallow times where we just kind of sit with um, – you know, sit with where we are in life and where we are as writers. I think that the key though is to just, is, is to at some point for me, get back into the schedule of writing. So, um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm right, right now I'm really shooting for probably October 1st, just based on some things coming up with our family and our schedules and things like that. But as of October 1st, I want to start my next novel for sure. So I'll be talking with my editor between now and then making sure the concept lines up with, you know, uh, something that they're interested in doing. And then, um, and then I'll start and I'll just start. Once I start back in, I'll try and write a thousand words a day, which is what I try and do when I'm, when I'm in the middle of a project. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think, I guess to sort of distill it down for me, it's either work or do nothing. (laughs) Either either work through, you know, the way that I'm continuing to write, or or stepping back and taking a little bit of a break. Yeah, that's a good a good principle because the in between bit is I'll just do bits and pieces and be inconsistent, and and in the end, yeah. it doesn't feel that fulfilling, does it? It's not, um, and you, yeah, because you, you're not really hitting any goals. You're just kind of but you're not writing enough to really feel like you're making any kind of progress. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a challenge a lot of writers have, I think as well. Um, yeah. The other thing I was interested in because earlier on in my writing journey, like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, my writing was very much tied into my identity as a, as a, like a human being. Like, all my value and worth came out of how good my writing was or how good other, good other people thought it was or how many people read it, you know. And, and I had no idea about this at the time. I wasn't aware, aware of it, but that's what was happening. And so when things didn't go well, I got depressed and angry and upset. And when things went well, I got too carried away. Um, so how have you kind of managed to deal with that challenge, that separating your value and your identity from what you do while it's still being a reflection of who you are. Yeah. It's a long process. It's been a long process for me too. Um, and I'm, I'm just beginning it. I feel like I'm just beginning that process of separating. I think what really helped me was, and I can't remember which of my friends said this, but they, they, they said, you do realize that when people review your book, whether they like it or not, that's just their opinion of the book. Like they're, they don't know you. They're not, they're not making a judgment on you. And, and, it, and their opinion, you know, they might, they might hate books that you really love. <laughs> you know, like they, there are people out there who have given East of Eden one star reviews. You know, there are people out there who have given, some of the most acclaimed books in the world, a one star review. So everyone has their opinion. They're entitled to that. Mm. And if they don't like what I write, that's okay. And it's taking, it's still, I'm, this is still something that I'm, that I'm working through, but I, I feel like I'm getting there because I can, I can see a, a review, uh, an unfavorable review of my book now and not feel like, 
anxious about it. Mm. It used to really, it used to really upset me when I saw a negative review or when I heard someone saying, Oh yeah, you know, it was okay. That book, um, that used to really hurt. And I, and I, and it doesn't anymore. And so I feel like I am making progress in that area, but it's a long road. And I think it, it just, for me, it's just this, I have to continually remind myself that I'm doing the best that I can. I'm improving. I'm reading great books so that I can get better as a writer. And so really what someone thinks of the stories that I write there's not really anything I can do about it except just keep writing, you know? Mm. And, and I think that, and I think there's something also really important about not letting the positive reviews lift me to some kind of crazy, you know, mm. level of ecstasy. And I, because I think that's, I think, I think that's the opposite side of the same coin. You know, if we let those positive reviews or good words, or if we let them just inordinately, I don't know, fill us. Um, we're just setting ourselves up then for the next bad review, you know? And so I think it's, it's really important to be able to just step away from the whole thing. I know some people don't read their reviews. I mean, I don't know if I really believe that or not. Um, it's just too hard for me not to look and see what people are saying. And I've actually, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting exercise to, to sort of pay attention to the general nature of, of the reviews that I get, because I think there are things that we can learn from them. Um, Mm. but yeah, it's, it's not easy. And I think, I think for me, it began when I started to understand that this is just simply someone's opinion of something that I've written. You know, it's not, they don't hate me. They don't think I'm a terrible person, probably, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. And it is it is a challenge and as you say you're still fighting with that. I think that's a yeah. that's an ongoing an ongoing thing. I I think a lot of I think a lot of writers struggle with that and no matter you know, and I know I know writers that don't look at any reviews. Mm-hmm. They just don't they don't look on Amazon, they don't look they don't read the positive reviews or the negative ones. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to know. And because it's always the one negative review out of the hundred, out of the with right. yeah. ninety-nine good reviews, and then the one that'll you'll remember is the one negative review. You know, and it's yeah. Um, so some people do that; they don't even look at the stats. They don't look at you know. They don't look at anything. Um, yeah. they just they just put their stuff out there and just love the fact that it's out there and enjoy the fact that they wrote it and they shared it, and that's enough. And it yeah. should be enough. <laughs> You know, and I told myself that when I published my book. Um, but it, you know, even the, even then, even though I told myself that, and I knew it, I still had the had that challenge at the end of it. You know, because um, because that's because that's being human. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and um, and the other thing as well. And now you're getting published by a publisher. Um, obviously, they'll have expectations, and they'll have things they want in the book or things they don't want in the in a book um, because they want to publish it and they want to market it and they know what's going to sell and what isn't going to sell, you know, and they have to protect their business. So how do you balance that, 
being authentic, having integrity, telling the story you want to tell, but also recognising that there's a publisher and that they there's some things they won't want in the book and some things that they might want in the book. How do you kind of balance all of that? Yeah, there was an interesting situation with um, one scene that was in The Edge of Over There, which is the book that just came out July 3rd. And when, after I submitted this to my editor, she came back and had some feedback on um, this one particular scene and the characters that were involved in it. And she was uncomfortable with um, the way that I was portraying one of the characters. Um, and at first I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I liked it. <laughs> I liked it how it was. And I wasn't completely sure about why she wanted to change it. I thought maybe it had to do with the fact that that Ravel's a Christian publishing house and that theologically it made her uncomfortable. Um, but after, you know, thinking it through and kind of thinking through the story, um, I did make the changes that, that they asked. And then the, here's the thing though, when my wife read the final version, she liked it better. She liked it better than the way I had originally read it, which, which surprised me, but also, also kind of served as a wake up call to me to not be so cynical. Like I think, I think for me, when sometimes when my publisher comes to me and says, well, we want to do things a certain way, there's a cynical side of me that says, well, you just want to do that because it's a Christian book or because you're a Christian publishing house. And what this example kind of served to remind me was that everybody that I'm working with currently, I really believe this, wants to create the best book that we can create. And I have to give them enough respect and enough belief in their integrity mm. to take their suggestions as really being in the best interests of the book. Do you know what I'm saying? And so mm. it really took that, that, that example for me to come to that point to realize, no, you know what? Like there's a cynical part of me who wants to think that, well, they're just, they just want to manipulate the message or, you know, they, uh, it's a Christian publishing house. But after my wife read it and said, no, 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 that's actually much better that way. Um, I realized, wow, she was right. My editor was right. And, and I've, I think I've become a lot more open to collaboration since mm. then. I think I've, I've become more open to their suggestions um, because I, I, do, I do believe it that, you know, we're all just trying to create the best book that we can. And I can't see it. I can't see it every time from the outside. You know, mm. I, I just can't. So, um, so that's, yeah, that was kind of an interesting story for me yeah that. that's really interesting yeah and often it's true but when when and this applies not just to writing by the way but to all kind of art that you create if you're really if you've made it you're really close to it so you mm. often you can't see it for what it is i remember when my editor this is what a good editor does as well when i submitted my book my editor showed me some stuff material that i really wanted in there some stories and stuff that i really wanted in there I said you don't need this you don't need this you literally don't need this it's already been somewhere you would have said this somewhere else 
you don't need and I thought this is a really great bit of writing I really want this story in there and she said no 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 you don't need it you don't need it and we went there with that and in the end when I saw what she'd done with it it was it was better without it and it didn't need it you know yeah. and and that's why you need another pair of eyes on your on your work because you're going to publish it because because you're too, you can often be so close to it that you can't see what's best for the for the art itself you know yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, that was just you. That was just you putting that on there. You because you because you've got an, an attachment to what you wrote. You want it all in there, you know. Um, and often that's not what's best for the the the, the result, you know. Um, yeah, assemb- yeah, like assemble your team, figure out who's going to be in that inner circle of helping you to create the best book you can create. But then once you have that, you have to trust those people. You know, you have to trust them, even if even if it ends up, you know, you have to go against maybe something that you think is right or something that you think works. Um, You have to trust that team, because if you're going to do it, if you're going to have a team, you have to trust them. Yeah, absolutely. I tell this to people all the time that other writers that I speak to, that you know, just have a group of people who will tell you the truth no matter what that if you're being a big success will bring you down to earth if you're having a bit of a failure and feeling sorry for yourself will encourage you and mm. and tell you the truth just um and love you and are invested in your best interests um and then you have to trust them like you say uh, and that's really really important you know because it won't work unless you trust yeah <laughs> Um, so you do a lot of work um, kind of coaching writers as well don't you Um, uh, I do a little bit I mean it comes into it comes into play often with the co-writing that I do Mm. um, you know in in sort of guiding someone through a manuscript or you know helping with structure and things like that I don't I haven't done a a ton of one-on-one outside of the projects that I'm you know, strongly involved in, right. but, um, yeah. I mean, the reason I, the reason I mentioned that was really that, really, what, what would be kind of key pieces of advice that you'd want to give to a writer who's either just starting out or who's facing challenges or creative blocks, mm. um, you know, in their writing or any yeah. kind of creative stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I started seeing a real difference in my writing when I started writing every day. Uh, so for me, that, that was a big thing. I think, you know, some people, their schedules just don't, don't enable them to do that, but I, writing regularly is important. So if it's three times a week, if it's Saturday for four hours, I think it, it, it's just about getting into this rhythm of writing, uh, which is... I think is so key. Um, I think you have to, like you said, you have to surround yourself with, with people who are going to encourage you in this life because a lot of people don't understand it. They don't understand how important it might be to you to be a writer. Uh, and I think you have to believe in what you're doing. You know, you have to, you have to write, you have to write projects or essays or words that, that you really care about, you know, about concepts that you care deeply about things that you think are important. And it's not that it's not that you can't write humor, but, 
but write humor if you think that's important, you know, write humor if you think that, that laughing is crucial, (laughs) Mm. you know, whatever you're doing, do it because you believe in it. Um, you know, I see great examples of this, my friends on Twitter who, who you can tell that they really legitimately care about certain things and that, so that's what they write about. That's what they read about. And so that's what I try to encourage writers with too, is do, you know, take on a project or start a project that, that you really care about that, that has a lot of meaning. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. That's the most important thing when you're writing something or creating something is that you yeah. care about it. You know? Yeah. And have fun, you know, have fun. I think that was probably absent from my earlier writing days. And when I was in my early twenties, I was trying to be a very serious writer. I was trying to be, um, you know, a literary writer. And I wasn't, I wasn't having a lot of fun with what I was doing. Whereas now I feel like, I don't know, it's just, it's so much fun for me to sit down and work on a novel. And it might be, it might not be lighthearted material, but it's, I enjoy it. You know, it's something that I really, really enjoy. And I let myself enjoy it. And I let myself tell stories that I enjoy. Um, Because I, you know, I used to feel like, well, if you're not writing in high enough, um, you know, literary style, then it's not worth writing or, you know, all the kinds of junk messages that you get. So yeah, enjoy yourself. Have fun. Hmm. Ah, yeah. I think that's a really good place to kind of end. Like, I think all of us, are, I mean, people who listen to this podcast are creative people. I know they're, they're writers or um, they make music or they do art or they have some kind of creative. Most of my audience have some kind of creative aspect to their life. And one of the themes of this podcast is creativity, you know. And I think that's just a really good way to, a good, even a good starting point for them. Just go and enjoy it, have fun. Like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about um, the mischief of writing and the, um, the magic of writing and, you know, like be curious and have an adventure, you know, and... I think that, I think too many writers take themselves too seriously, and yeah. so yeah, we should all have fun with our writing, with yes. with our creativity. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, really great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, James. It's I love. It's always so nice to finally talk with somebody. You know, like I feel like our paths have been crossing for years now, but it's, Mm. it's really cool to hear your voice and see your face. And so thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. I hope this was really encouraging for you. So uh, take care and talk again soon.